Hi, it's Kevin Lobates here, and today's video is titled Panic in the Authorverse because it concerns the discovery and subsequent fixing of an exploit that was uncovered in the Authorverse NFT contract. Now, for those of you who don't know, about three months ago, myself and Richard Piacentini released an NFT contract that minted 1.5 times 10 to the 48 tokens into the world. One for every single Ethereum address that exists or could ever exist. And we decided to use that contract to kick off a fun NFT project, just making stuff up as we went along in order to see what we could discover about NFTs and the process of marketing NFTs and the development of interesting features within NFT contracts. So it seemed like a good starting point, the idea of having a contract with so many tokens. And uh, one of the things we decided to do was to throw all the rule books out of the window. In fact, the slogan that we use for the Authorverse project is the Authorverse is doomed. And you can even go out and buy t-shirts with that slogan written on them. I'll uh, put a link in the bottom of this video for anybody who's interested in owning one of those. Anyway, back to the exploit. So it was a really serious one. We found out, actually, funnily enough, a week ago on Wednesday, I was chatting to Richard and saying that the contract had been chugging along nicely and behaving well, and it seemed like it was stable, but I had this nagging feeling that there might be something wrong with it. Because when we launched it, one of the things that we threw out of the window was the idea of testing every single thing that you do. And it turns out in hindsight that that is a very bad idea. So. Uh, what happened was on Wednesday, I said to Richard, I think there's a flaw in the contract, but I don't know what it is. It's just a gut feeling. And then in one of those episodes of uncanny synchronicity, the very next day, I found a transaction where somebody who on OpenSea is known as HashArt uh, had managed to somehow mint a token from one address to another with the ID of a token that belonged to a third address. Now. Fortunately, at the time, it turned out that they hadn't realized that this exploit was a lot more serious than it looks on the surface, because it doesn't just allow you to create and move around non-existent tokens or tokens that have not yet been claimed by anyone. It actually allows you to go in and steal tokens out of other people's addresses. And in the NFT world, that is pretty much the worst kind of bug you can have from a user's perspective. It totally wipes out the idea that NFTs are owned by individual people. They've become communal property, and if you can move tokens out of other people's wallets into your own one, well, nobody's going to want to buy them, are they? So, uh, mind you, who's going to want to buy one out of 1.5 times 10 to the 48 tokens? But we'll be revisiting that later in this video. Anyway, so it's a serious exploit. In fact, it's a zero-day exploit. And we found out about it on the Thursday, and this kicked off a frantic exercise to try and patch everything up. So on Friday and Saturday morning, we analyzed the exploit, exactly how it was done. We found other conditions under which it could be used. And I wrote a battery of tests for the contract. I think it was about over 100 tests in total in the space of about six to eight hours, which is admittedly something we should have done at the very beginning of the contract, but it would have gone against the spirit of the project. So the thing is that 
Richard had kind of been itching to conduct a token migration uh, in any case, and this gave us the perfect opportunity to do so. Now, for those of you who don't know what a migration is, that is when you have a smart contract on the blockchain and you discover a bug or you're not happy with the functionality that it has and so you deploy a new one and try to get everyone to move over onto the new one. So it's a bit like Microsoft releasing a new version of Windows and then using various strategies in the form of carrots and sticks in order to get people to give up on using the old version and move to the new version. And uh, it turns out that migrations are not very simple. They're also not that uncommon. For example, back in December, the Sandbox game discovered that there was a flaw in their Sandbox tokens, um, not one that they thought was exploitable, but just to be on the safe side, they decided to have a migration. And what happened was you got an alert that a new Sandbox token contract had been launched and you could go to their website, log on, or rather create a user account on their centralized server, connect with your wallet, and then uh, jump through some other hoops and button clicking in order to migrate your old Sandbox token onto the new contract. Now, what we've done with the Authorverse is we've actually taken all the work and effort out of the user's hands, and we secretly did it over the last few days without anybody noticing, but now we've made that fact public. So the old Authorverse contract now alerts you that it's defunct, and the tokens, which used to have all these wonderful pictures of fantasy realms or futuristic cities, now just return an error message saying that the contract is no longer being used and pointing you to the new one. Anyway, some of you are probably going to be interested in exactly what the exploit did. And what it boiled down to was that there wasn't a check that a token uh, was actually claimable by the particular address that was claiming it. And as it turns out, the fix for that in our new contract was literally just one line. So it really was a very, very simple fix. And it was a bit of an oversight in the original programming. We should have spotted that. And we decided to take the opportunity to add a whole bunch of other things to the contract. So the second thing that we did was fix a few problems that we discovered in the original contract. Um, nothing that really affects the users, but here's an example. Uh, Richard and I wanted to be able to personally reveal and flip and level up tokens without having to pay for it, unlike ordinary users, because it's a bit silly to pay to level up your token and then claim that money back off the contract if you're the owner of the contract. And what had accidentally happened was we had a check, which was meant to be if the address making this request is Richard or is Kia, then don't charge a fee. But we'd accidentally put an and in there instead. So the check was saying, if the user making the request um, is not Richard and Kia, then uh, don't charge for it. And of course, you can't be both me and him at the same time. And as a result, that check never returned. Yeah, you don't have to pay a fee. It always demanded a fee. So we, we fixed that problem. The uh, next thing that we looked at was the problem of artificial scarcity, or rather the problem of the absence of artificial scarcity in the Authorverse token world. Because the contract mints 1.5 times 10 to the 48 tokens, you can't have a scarcity economy. This 
it's a fundamental property of economics that if something isn't scarce, if it's freely available to everyone, then it's very hard to put a price on it. Nobody's going to pay for something that they can just get for free. And as a result, uh, people who've paid a bit to reveal and upgrade their token are kind of stuck in a situation where the value of one of these tokens in the authorverse can never be more than the total cost of getting it to that level and that state. Um, and we thought, well, even though I spent a few weekends thinking about is it possible to somehow have a scarcity economy in a field where there is no scarcity, the answer that I ultimately came up with was, well, no, I couldn't see a way to do it. It may be possible, but it seems highly unlikely to me. That possibly is a fundamental theorem of economics. So we decided to take the opportunity to introduce some scarcity. And of course, we picked the number 10,000. There are going to be 10,000 Orthoverse tokens that are special. So everybody will still have an Orthoverse token that they can claim with their address, or they can have as many of them as they want to. They just have to create more and more token addresses. But the issue is that the first 10,000 that are revealed are going to be special. They will have the unique images. They will be land tokens in the Orthoverse, which is a metaverse that is yet to exist. And Richard and I are still talking about what exactly it's going to be, if anything. It might be something fun. We might come up with something interesting. But anyway, the first 10,000 tokens are going to be special. The rest of them, not so special. They'll just return a picture of a kind of void, a black fog type thing. Um, to indicate that they aren't as valuable as the initial 10,000 ones. And, uh, you know, I guess one way to put this is that uh, in the Orthoverse, um, all tokens are equal, but some tokens are more equal than others. Then the next thing that we did was get rid of the Polygon contract. Richard had deployed a parallel Polygon version of the original Orthoverse token contract, um, I really don't know why, um, but we discovered that <clears throat> firstly, OpenSea doesn't handle Polygon very well, and secondly, as it turns out, even Polygon doesn't handle Polygon very well. And although there were a few people who had bought tokens in the contract, there weren't as many as there were in the Ethereum one. And I've made a video previously about how Ethereum mainnet is kind of the Gucci or the Armani of the uh, smart contract blockchain world and Polygon unfortunately is a supermarket knockoff of the same thing. Plus it's not in my opinion living up to the initial promise that it had and in any case at some point in the future when Ethereum finally moves to proof of stake and hopefully all the price gas prices will become a thing of the past or at least will drastically reduce then um, I don't really think these layer two side chains as they're called are going to have much of a future especially since they seem to be getting more expensive and more expensive as people start using them and they themselves get congested and um, pricey, which is precisely the thing that they are trying to um, overcome. So it's a solution that actually becomes a problem. So anyway, the third thing we decided to do for the Orthoverse was to pull the Polygon tokens, which had cost the people who bought them the same amount. Uh, they didn't buy them, of course. The people who had revealed and who had leveled up and had flipped them, um, we moved them into the new Ethereum mainnet um, contract. Now, this, of course, introduces a problem, which is what if somebody has an identical token 
on both Polygon and on Ethereum. I, one which has the same token ID, it came from the same address, just used on those two different chains. And the answer we came up with was that, well, in order to compensate people who had a token on Ethereum and on Polygon that was identical, we would level up the new Ethereum token. And that for some people actually means that they've saved um, something in the region of an eighth or a quarter of an Ether. So. Uh, I think they got a bargain there. Anyway, one of the things we try to do in the Authorverse project is put our token holders first. Where both me and Richard have a kind of almost pathological sense of duty and responsibility towards the token owners. And maybe that's one of the reasons why the Authorverse is ultimately going to be doomed because perhaps we're not being business-minded enough about it. But anyway, it's meant to be fun. It's not meant to be serious and stodgy and meetings and stuff like that. So then the final thing that we had to do was actually write some migration code in the new token contract and some scripts around it so that we could copy all the transactions that had happened on the older, now defunct contracts and make the new one look very much like the original one. Everybody on the new one should have the same token that they'd revealed on the old one. And boy, that was a pain. It took a lot of work to write a script or several scripts to process the previous transactions, store them, and then replay them in the new contract. And as it turns out, it wasn't cheap either. I think it cost us nearly $5,000 to run all those transactions again. So uh, the burning of that Ethereum increases the value of the remaining Ether tokens, and therefore the whales in the Ethereum um, space will have profited nicely from our actions here. We've uh, got rid of pretty much all the profits that we made off the first contract, but you know, that's life. Anyway, you can go to authorverse.io and actually it'll look exactly the same as it previously did, but now it points you towards revealing tokens on the new contract. You can go to OpenSea, which again actually is another thing that was a complete pain in the neck because OpenSea doesn't update the metadata very easily. There's no kind of refresh the metadata on all these collections. And so I had to write yet another script to automatically do that. And it turns out that the OpenSea APIs no longer allow you to do that automatically. So I had to write a web um, emulator, the kind of thing that test engineers who test web applications use in order to pull up each page in turn and hit refresh on each token. And that's actually running as I'm out here recording this video. Um, so where was this going to go next? Oh yeah, so we've covered the artificial scarcity that now there are 10,000 special tokens. So uh, well done to those of you who revealed your tokens early. Um, and in fact, the earlier you revealed your token, um, the higher up on a certain list you're gonna be, but that's something that I'll talk about more in the future. And the really pleasing news is that we are actually nearly at 1,000 revealed tokens. So I guess we'll have to have a little celebration or something special when that happens just to mark the occasion. So uh, final thing, uh, hash art for the person with the Ethereum address starting 0xcafe cafe. Um, if you're out there and you're willing to, please do get in touch with me. Uh, because I'd really like to chat to you because this is going to make an excellent chapter in my book on the whole process of building the authorverse and trying to overcome the problems that have been introduced into it um, because of the fact that we didn't do all the planning and careful stuff in the beginning. Um, that's kind of the whole driving thing behind it and uh, I think this is going to make a really really fun interesting um, 
almost exciting, I suppose, and uh, certainly educational chapter for the book. And as a result, it would be great if you, Hash Art, could be a character in that chapter with your permission. So uh, that's it for this video. It's quite long, but it's been quite a long three or four days. Yeah, four days now to actually resolve all of this stuff. And I've certainly learned a lot more about the mechanics of NFTs. I thought I had it all pretty much nailed down when I um, started on this. And when, uh, you know, a week ago, I would have said, yeah, I probably know about 80% of what there is to know about NFTs. Looking back now, I realized that I knew a fraction of that, and I would say that I probably doubled my knowledge. So in that sense, it's been a really valuable experience too. Anyway, I hope you guys out there will continue to follow the Authorverse. It's uh, certainly turning out to be a lot, lot more interesting than I first thought it would be when I hopefully launched it with Richard. And uh, I think I'll wrap the video up here and now, but uh, I'll see you all in the next video soon. Bye for now.